0: everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the pause vibe podcast and i am so excited to introduce our fantastic guest this week the amazing peppermint from rupaul's
1: drag race peppermint is here Yay!
2: <laughs> welcome oh, hi <sighs>
1: hi gorgeous peppermint this is veda calling it's our anniversary sweetie I know. How many years is it?
2: Uh, 20 years or something, <laughs> I think. 15, 15, 15 years. 15 for sure. 13.
1: It was such a coincidence. Like to, this morning, my Facebook thing was just throwing up images of you and me. And I was like, it's our anniversary. We did it again. <laughs> you are the United. queen who visits us more than anyone else. That's a fact.
2: I, and I love it. It's my second home for sure. So it's v- only fitting that. I'm here with you on Pause Vibe today, and I'm so happy about that.
0: So how did you two meet, then, if you met each other 14 years ago? Give me the origin story.
1: <laughs> well, we met in Fire Island. Oh, God,
2: Fire Island again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll start, I'll start. the official personal first meeting.
1: (laughs) Caswell was here with Amanda Lepore in Dublin. Myself and Davina were going to do the invasion at Fire Island. And Caswell told myself and Davina, whatever we do to go and see Peppermint in Tides on Monday night after the invasion. (laughs) So (laughs) we had done drag all weekend and really Irish girl style tore the ass out of it. We (laughs) had met everybody on the island and had a drink with them. And on Monday, uh, this torrential storm hit the island and it turned into a ghost town.
2: (laughs) Am I right or am I right? You're right. And then the name of my show, like from that day on, was Peppermint Brings the Rain. One of my first weeks out there, it was like this terrible rainstorm. People were like running away. Like no one was trying to watch a show except for the few people who were like, Forced to, but probably it was mostly employees that I was performing for.
1: Well we were I remember we were in our room, we were sharing a bed and we were dying when we were lying there and I thought we are going to see peppermint no matter what and Davina was like, "I'm only going if we go and drag So <laughs> we got all dolled up. I remember wearing this beautiful white summer dress and feeling my oats and and running under umbrellas to tides, which isn't even standing anymore. It was the club it's, it's she's gone now, girl, she's gone. <laughs> And um yeah, and we got there and there was Peppermint. You'd already started. You were doing like some Broadway, some Whitney, some original R and B numbers, doing your thing, and we were just transfixed. And I've been in love ever since. But I remember you took a break, and on your break, you just put down the microphone and you walked straight over to us at the bar. And I was like, (laughs) Wow, that's a star. Like that is a star.
2: I was recognising my family.
1: Exactly. <laughs> your real
0: sisters. We were so delighted that you said that you were going to come on. And I'm going to fangirl a little now because I loved you for so long. Even when I was in New York, going to your shows, then seeing you on RuPaul Drag Race, absolutely killing it. And now you are an incredible singer. Oh my God, the music you have is incredible. And anyone listen, if you're not listening, you're a loser. And your album, A Girl Like Me, Letters to My Lovers. Oh my God. It's, and it's just a a whole album of sex and dating and relationships and when you said you wanted to come on to talk about HIV and sex I was like yes yes
1: let's
2: get her on
1: yeah the, the album girl is amazing mm. can we just have a moment thank you so much I'm so yeah, moved I was
2: in a um, I was in the throes of a passionate relationship a couple of years a few now I guess three years ago now and uh, it was a great it was one of the best relationships I'd ever had but you know obviously relationships end. not all of them but well I guess they all do eventually and somehow. And uh, I I had some great, some ups and downs and I got an album out of it. And so um, I was really happy and excited to write about love and sex and all those things uh, from my very queer perspective, which is not like the newest thing under the sun, but for people who have a little bit of mainstream ex- exposure or success, we don't usually hear that kind of perspective um, and so I just wanted to put it out there and and then, and I'm very proud of that
1: I'm very proud of you you really gave it to us and I, I listen to it often and I always think this is the movie that Pixar need to make mm. this is oh. the trans fairy tale that Pixar needs to make the songs are perfect they're all there even the cover version will you still love me is mm. like it's such a Disney moment <laughs> and maybe the sex we might have to tone down the sex a little but and the G- <laughs> no. Oh. As well, with late, the duet is just so Disney, don't you think? Am I right, girl?
2: Oh my gosh, I mean, I t- now that you're saying it, if of course I, uh, I I can't believe I didn't have this thought myself. Uh, we are doing a, a short film that we just finished producing and will be uh, airing on Out TV and Fruit TV, um, uh, later on in the year, and we go into production on part two because this album is. Uh, actually a three-parter. So part one is out now, part two and three, which are like the middle and the end of the relationship. Part one was the beginning of the relationship, obviously. Uh, those all come out later on this year, the albums do. And we're doing a, um, a short film to cover the entire project, all three parts. So part one of the short film comes out soon. And then um, the second part comes out um, a little bit later on. We, we go into production next Today, we actually start pre-production today, And it's exciting.
0: A whole trilogy of your life. I love how extra
1: that is,
2: you
0: know, not just one. I'm giving you three, baby. uh,
2: Just the most, the most.
1: It's incredible how you put yourself, all of yourself into the album. I remember we were in New York in 2019 having lunch at your favorite diner. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about our albums because when you're a drag queen making music, the very best conversations you can have is with each other because you just feel like a total bitch talking to somebody who isn't making an album and you know that they're thinking (laughs) shut up clown but we got to sit there and share our visions and i went to the studio with you to meet your producing partner and to hear some of what you're doing and i was so excited and Wow, you delivered. You really gave it to us. And I reckon there's lots of people in the trans community who who it means so much to, that you were so honest mm-hmm. about the nature of dating mm-hmm. and in this world for a trans woman.
2: I think so. I mean, that's certainly who, what I did it for. I mean, I was thinking about like what what I would have wanted to hear. Um, as a trans woman and it, just as a queer person in general, I don't think we get to hear a lot of those things so the number one reason I, or the message um for behind the project and the album is that like a to to trans people and to queer people in general, um, but specifically black trans women you are worthy of being loved and your stories are worthy of being told and then the second message which might even be the more crucial message arguably, at different times is to all the people who aren't in the queer community, who aren't trans, uh, understanding that it's important for them to know that we are worthy of being loved and that our stories are worthy of being told because it's important that they, that they connect to that in some way. I mean, we're, we're human, right? And so love is definitely universal. So all of our love stories um, deserve just as much. I don't wanna see another notebook Unless it's starring a black trans woman. Uh huh.
1: <laughs> That's what right. we need. That is what we need. <laughs> And love is something that you have so much of, Peppermint, and something that you bring with you everywhere you go. We love when you visit us at the George, and actually you can taste, you can smell, you can feel the love in the room. And one of the things that I've been talking with Robbie about lately, which gets me emotional always, is the idea of living a shame-free life Mm -hmm. as a HIV-positive person. I feel um, like one of the things that I learned from you is living a shade free life as an LGBTQ person and you know and really that you don't have to be mean to be funny and that really your mission can be to make people feel good about themselves above all else.
2: I think that's what, what people want. I mean, without, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I'm not in everyone's head, but I, I, and I know that a little bit of a little bit of, um, you know, a, a little bit of shade n- never hurt nobody, especially when you're being a little sassy. But I think generally, you know, our, one of the things that really um, <clears throat> someone said to me once, which just clarified things for me so so to clarify things for me. I was speaking with um, uh, Lakshmi uh, Tripathi uh, in, in India when I was able to go and visit. And she, we were talking about the differences in the communities. And she said, but the one thing that we have as queer people globally is that we are connected by our pain. You know, And so whether we're con- talking about gay people, uh, trans people, non-binary folks, uh, rec- People who are discriminated against so often, and and there's no shortage of that, regardless of where you live, uh, we are connected by our pain, and 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 we carry that, and so that was really kind of eye opening for me. You know, I mean, it's it's not the most profound, but it really, it was it's so simple, and so um, and so that's something that I know that we, I have in common when I go to a gay bar, whether it's an whether it's in uh, the UK or whether it's in Ireland or United States or wherever, I know that there's going to be people who've been made fun of or bullied the same way that I have. And the last thing that they want to do is get more of that, um, especially coming from like a queen or a drag king or their entertainer. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was I guess I came up in the time um, when I got to New York City. We were the, the drag entertainers who were there before me, who I was going to see their shows. Were really focused on talking about, uh, you know, HIV and and protecting ourselves and r- the lack of resources and the the effect on our community and what we need to do and how we need to band together uh, and pulling together. And so there's always been shade in in the queer world and in the drag world, of course but uh, having a little bit more of that love and light is is um makes for a lot less cynical gaze i'll say that
1: <laughs> it's contagious as well and that's what's so special about it you light up the room sweetheart mm. you always light up the room this week of course billy your friend from pose your castmate, came out about their hiv status have you reached out to them at all?
2: I would like to think that this moment is was an inspiring moment for Billy to be able to, to share their story and really talk openly in a way that just lets people know that yes, this is really dramatic. Pose is full of drama. It's quite melodramatic at times. But, you know, these stories are brilliantly written. And the reason why they resonate is because they come from so much truth. You can't watch that show for more than two minutes without um, some development. And if you are well-versed in queer history, knowing that th- this comes from true life, this is coming from some a place of truth. But I'm so
1: proud... You're here, here. Of I'm Billy. such a fan of the show.
2: And, yeah, I'm so proud of Billy and so proud that we're able to continue the conversation because I think the, these days people don't really... I think people, the conversations around sexual health in general uh, and HIV are just, they've been lacking. They were never that they were never that robust uh to, to begin with. And even though we are in a different position with HIV than we were in the 80s and 90s, like mentally, um, you know, we're still not where we need to be, uh, whether it's in terms of uh just at, Education and lack of stigma, and having conversations, and and you know people being proactive about their own sexual health. I you know I have more to say on that, but I'll follow your prompt.
0: Um, thank you so much for that, peppermint, and it's a beautiful segue into our beautiful Adam Shanley, who is the program manager of the Empower Empower. I'm saying that right, Empower program in Ireland. Um, tell us a little bit more about that program, and we'll get into the whole prep in Ireland and the beautiful prompts that peppermint gave us.
3: <laughs> and thanks so much for having me this is great welcome um, first of all i want to just uh, start off by congratulating you both for this wonderful endeavor um it's so great to have uh, a space where we can all talk about um hiv and our sexual health in general and just start conversations um and uh, i'm really really so honored to be a part of that so thanks for having me on
1: I'm so delighted that you're here You're one of the first You're actually the first person I ever spoke to About the idea of having a podcast mm-hmm. So without you There would be no us And it's just a full circle moment oh, so sorry. Tell us more about Empower For anyone at home That doesn't know what that is
3: Yeah, so the Empower programme Is uh, an initiative That I started at HIV Ireland mm-hmm. um, It's basically a response To the sexual health and wellbeing needs Of gay and bisexual men Trans men And non-binary folk Who are comfortable About accessing gay identified services. Um, And it's a mixture of different things. So, the first uh, element of our work is offering access to low threshold uh, HIV testing. So um, we have rapid HIV testing, finger prick, get your result in 60 seconds. And um, pre-pandemic, we were in all of our gay identified venues. So your panty bars, your George, the outhouse, the boiler
1: house. Um, and uh... church house, gin house, <laughs> <laughs> outhouse, boiler <in> house. <laughs> OK, so you can't vote Tina without
0: going <laughs> We break out in song regularly. In they the were podcast.
1: everywhere, Peppermint. <laughs> everywhere. Tell That's us more. Actually, how we start the HIV test. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh
2: just my God. to put you at ease. Oh, <laughs> Just to get tested.
1: Just- yeah. Proud Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Shoulders. <and all>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um So yeah. So we we. Uh, so that was pre-pandemic we in the venues now we've we've continued post-pandemic in our uh, in our offices to make sure that because so many other services right have been so limited maybe restricted or closed entirely so we've kind of kept the show on the road in terms of accessing hiv testing that way And um, but also we started um ireland's first uh hiv self-test so uh, now folks can um
1: Log in online, uh, give us some details, and we send out a free HIV self-test. That's amazing. Can we hear about that one more time, Robbie? What did he just tell us? <laughs> a HIV self-testing kit. A self-testing kit, Robbie? Yeah.
0: How does that work? Well, actually, it is. It's great. So you go on, you put in a few details. It's sent to your door. It's completely confidential. You don't know it's a testing kit from the package you get. It's in an Anne Summers box. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Shaped yeah. like a dildo. It's very, <laughs> yeah. So you get it, and it comes with instructions and contact details uh, on the results. And uh, it's a finger prick test, right? Yeah. Super yeah. easy to do. I've done them with the rapid testing. And uh, you just finger pr- uh, prick your finger you put your blood into this tiny pipette put it in and then if it's one dot it's negative two dots reactive that's
3: it that's it it takes about 15 minutes for a result and I guess you know what we're, what we're looking to do is to make sure that there is a, as many routes to getting tested as possible mm-hmm. right so some people will always feel the comfort of going to a clinic being in front of a clinician or whatever um, but there's loads of other reasons why people might not you know maybe they're not out maybe they're not ready to be in a waiting room with another bunch of gays or there's a whole bunch of reasons so we're trying to remove as many barriers to accessing testing as possible so rapid testing community settings is one and then self-testing is another um, and then you know uh, so that's w- kind of one element of our work then the other is that we have a, um, a group of outreach workers so um, again looking at trying to uh, be available to to folks um, in the places in which they seek or are having sex so that they can, you know, open up about any questions they have or maybe be put on referral pathways into getting tested or supports and stuff like that that they might need. In the shower? <laughs> in yes, the boiler
0: please.
1: house, yeah.
3: yeah. Pass the soap. Yeah. Pass the soap in the HIV test, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we... Uh, we uh, yeah so we're available on you know on all the hookup apps the
1: websites mm-hmm. sounds um, Robbie uh, I'm there for educational purposes I, okay? exactly I meant to say for educational purposes
3: we're networking <laughs> um, yeah and uh, and you know obviously in our community venues and stuff like that as well so basically they're you know passively available to answer questions uh, if, if people have any and to offer that support and then there's research that we're doing We're always looking at, you know, understanding what the needs of the community are and trying to respond to that. So there's a lot of work ongoing at the moment around response to sex and drugs in the community, particularly around G and crystal meth. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what Empower is, is looking out into the community, asking the community what, you know, what's going on and how can we help to support that? And a lot of that is, well, it's all grounded in HIV and sexual health and our well-being. So... That's my That's my
0: wow, what of empower. <laughs> real Like Sign me up and I love the name empower. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's fantastic. It's it's the positive reinforcing language we need in this country when it comes to sexual health and HIV. And I think you're just doing an incredible job. And I love our outreach team. Every single one. They're
3: oh they're such gals. I, you just must have a blast at work. Diego, Mark, David, they are oh, an absolute it's it's it's, it's such a privilege as well to be able to, you know that that's our that's our job. Mm. That's you know, that we're able to interact and support the community in that way and and you're right I mean I suppose the name of the program really is is what we're trying to embody you know so much around HIV and STIs can be real you know medical and very you know this is treatment and this is but you know where's where's pleasure in the conversation mm. Right, where we want to center all of those really important parts around you know talking about HIV, talking about um STIs, but, but centering the conversation around pleasure and, and well being too. And you're so accessible.
0: Like you go into the Empower programme and you have everyone's WhatsApp details. You can just send you a text if you have a
3: question. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's it. It's 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 removing those barriers, you mm-hmm. know, trying to make sure that it's as easy and as comfortable to to spark a conversation about your, your sexual health as 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 we can.
1: And very important, you know, because there's still a lot of stigma, as we know, around uh, HIV diagnosis. And you, and it's, it's not just in the gay community. In the trans community, there's uh, very high numbers of, of HIV positive mm-hmm. people. And Anna Matronic was on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she mentioned that she reckoned it was about 40 percent of trans women in America are dealing with uh, HIV diagnosis and I can't help thinking as a non-binary person that really you go through a lot of stigma as a trans person anyway and that if you add the stigma and trauma of a diagnosis on top of that you're really in the danger zone and that's what I worry about the most Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons I was so happy that Peppermint agreed to be here and talk to us about this subject.
2: Yeah uh, it's 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 just like the it's really difficult I think to to really f- fully address any of these issues without acknowledging sort of the intersectionality of it. And when we talk about, um, HIV testing, diagnosis, health, sexual health, uh, when related to trans people, well, this is the thing, like, it's like, there's a, there's sort of a cycle, like the, a lot of the discrimination that, uh, many trans women, trans people but trans women face um, cuts them off sometimes from being able, from access to housing and healthcare and employment and can sometimes put them in a situation where they are engaging in survival sex work or, or having to make that converse decision. And many, not all, but many of the, um, the people who they encounter in, in the context of survival sex work are straight identified cis men who I think across the board, you know, not to generalize, but I'm going to generalize, uh, uh, c- uh, cis hetero men are, you know, I mean, <laughs> they're babies. <laughs> A lot of times, and and um, I think take pride in, in at least um, traditionally and historically in Western cultures, not having to be responsible for their own health care, for their own food, for their own whatever's going on in the home. And so they just really aren't necessarily trained um, or conditioned from, from a young, early age to, to take ownership uh, and responsibility over their own sexual health, and so what ends up happening, especially like anecdotally with a lot of the trans women that I talk to, and the uh, the sexual partners that we've talked about, because you know the girls are talking, um, is that these these guys who are straight and are uh, cis hetero men, um, you know, interested in all things fem and all and trans women and cis women and anybody that. Kind of gets their their motor going. They are quick to jump in the sack with us, but they are oftentimes just oblivious to these conversations on sexual health. Uh, they they are very quick to ask you, "Are you quote clean?" And you know, sort of put the onus of this of that conversation and and the rep- repercussions of that on the trans woman. But they don't necessarily offer their own information about when they've been tested and what those test results were. Uh, And so they're very, they're very eager to have um, condomless sex. They're very eager, usually after that sexual encounter, to ask, you're clean, right? Uh, Without even asking about testing, without offering any information about their own testing. And it seems as though they're thinking, as long as this trans woman, you know, takes care of herself, then that means I'm taken care of and I don't have to do, and it's only from the perspective of the trans woman will give him something, not vice versa. And, you know, and it's almost like he, he's not even aware or he's oblivious to the fact that he's putting her at risk by not knowing his status. Right. And, and the more that if. I think those encounters are um, those count. Those encounters only increase when uh, someone is engaged in survival sex work. If it's survival sex work, then that means that that at least um, infers a lack of choice. Sometimes, and these are oftentimes dangerous situations. um, Not only you know um, putting themselves at risk sexually, but then this is also these are also the people who are. I believe, responsible for the high murder rate of Black trans women in the United States and beyond. Uh, These are the same people that carry the shame and stigma, not only about their sexual health, but also about sexuality, because the patriarchy tells us that anyone who is um, HIV positive and or someone who um, is sexually interested in trans women is gay. And, you know, a man that is interested in those people is gay. And, you know, I don't believe that's true. There might be some gay guys that are interested in trans women. But, you know, for the most part, the people that I've dealt with are cis and hetero um, identified. And there, it's just a shame that there's so much stigma because in the shadows, then all this stuff starts to happening when there, people aren't having these conversations. And so Anna was definitely right, I believe, with that
1: because we have options these days like prep but we don't have a a system where we're really reaching out and educating people especially trans attracted people about stuff like that that really should just make all the difference to their dating life and it's just sensible and just basic really taking care of yourself and being respectful of your partner knowing your status but it's hard to Reach those people because of the stigma mm-hmm. associated with dating trans women.
0: Do you know um, in the HIV policy world,
1: we used to say that there's
0: hard-to-reach populations, as in like, you know, how do we get these hard-to-reach populations mm. on prep to get tested? But now we've changed it to say that actually underserved populations, mm. because mm. Do you know these are just people; they need to be educated. It's just you have to think differently. Like the mm. the model of sexual health for a white man or white gay man is very different than you know the migrant community Mm -hmm. in ireland for a black trans woman and so we're not saying that they're hard to reach we just have to think appropriately how best do we connect with these communities to give them the education they need? They're only hard to it's reach when you now. don't know how to
3: reach them, right? <laughs> exactly. And and so like making sure that there is that dialogue, you know, and the um and and that we're involving communities in those responses. That's mm-hmm. absolutely the best way to, for example, you know, um, increase uptake of prep. Mm-hmm. You know, involving. communities that you're trying to reach in the development of the campaigns or the outreach that you're doing um is a much you know, a higher
0: chance of success. I think we're jumping well ahead now because some listeners might be like, What the hell
1: is PrEP? Yes. So, let's talk about the <laughs> basics. Let's go back to the basics. <laughs> you know, let's talk about PrEP, into, baby. No. We're going let's to Let's talk about yeah. HIV. <laughs> let's talk about all the good drugs and the bad <laughs> drugs <laughs> that may be. Let's <laughs> talk about PrEP. <laughs> oh Tell goodness. us what PrEP is, please. So, PrEP
3: is a wonderful <laughs> innovation in HIV prevention. It's mm-hmm. a drug that HIV negative folk can take and it is almost 100% effective at preventing HIV. Mm-hmm. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's something now, thankfully, in, in Ireland that we've fought really hard to make available for free. Um, so it is available to anybody who wants it really um, and who um, uh can access a sexual health service, um, and um, yeah, it's it's available. Um, it's a game changer, and I think you know, listening to the previous um, episodes. Uh, of this podcast, and you were saying about, you know, it being the kind of golden era of HIV, and it really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look into, you know, the prevention options that we have now, we've we have all of the tools to end HIV Mm -hmm. at our disposal. That's incredible. And so we absolutely need to be reaching towards um, achieving uh, zero new HIV transmissions. Mm -hmm. And PrEP is really key to that.
1: Do you need uh, an exam, a letter from your doctor?
3: So you yourself like you, so you'd self present at um there's a number of, of approved clinics so it's your kind of main sexual health services that are based at um at hospitals um and the so the like so the guy clinic um, the government's health service, Vincent's, and then outside of uh, outside of Dublin, all the main kind of hospitals too. Um, if you go onto our website, hivireland.ie, um, there's a whole list of mm-hmm. of where you can uh, access an approved clinic. You head over there, uh, you get an appointment, uh, head over there, and then they'll ask you some questions about your sexual health, right? And uh, you'll do uh, you'll have a HIV test because you have to make sure that you're negative before you start, and they'll give you a full STI screen. Uh, you'll be handed a prescription. Then to access the drug for free, you'll go over to your uh, um, your local pharmacy and you'll give in the prescription. You need to have a DPS card, right? It's a drug payment scheme card. You apply for that one of them online dpscard.ie. Um once you have a PPS number, you can get it. And PPS number if you have, you know, it's it's fairly accessible thing to get. Mm-hmm. If you if you can't get a PPS, um, simple, like you know, if you're maybe a, a student here on a one-year visa mm-hmm. or if you're a migrant undocumented migrant, mm-hmm. um get in touch with us. there's a there's a, a system that we can use. Um so basically, it's accessible to anybody. You go in, with your prescription. And you're handed A a month of prep And off you go Oh my god God. And it's free And it's free You take it every day There's two different ways You can take it Um, You can take it every day Which uh, means that You'd be covered for uh, All types of sex For all Mm -hmm. types of people And then there's uh, What's known as Two one one, um which is um what it, it it's aimed n- nearly specifically towards gay and bisexual men um and that's where you can take it around event-based dosing so um it's where you take it around sex so you can take a double dose that's two pills mm-hmm. uh between two and 24 hours before the sex and then you take one pill every day that you're not having sex and um, so one day after the sex, two days after the sex, and then you're covered for that se- for that you know mm-hmm. all that sex you had. Um, so there's uh, there's beautiful graphics online that yeah. I can show you. That was a little better explained than that. Um, no graphics yeah. on the podcast, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> but you're explaining it beautifully. A link to the website. Yeah. Um,
3: so yeah, that's there's two main ways of taking it. Daily is your easiest way. Mm-hmm. Prep is just this beautiful
0: drug, the game changer, as you said. Ireland's in a HIV crisis. I was like, every single like person who can get PrEP is gonna go on it. But I'm not too sure what the uptake of PrEP like is in Ireland. So could you tell me what the uptake is amongst all communities in Ireland, if, if you have the data?
3: Yeah, it's really difficult because we don't actually really have the data on, on what the numbers of uptake is. Um, most recently you know they've been able to so it's a new system right and it's a system that you know the hsc hasn't had before and um, so they're kind of still trying to figure things out right but they've been looking at how uh, how many you know prescriptions have been made available um and there's in around three thousand mm-hmm. um but that yeah so in and around 3000 is where is where we are but it's kind of difficult to say whether or not you know what's the yardstick is that good or not because mm. it's difficult to say it's difficult to, to put a number on um, the populations and on, you know what percentage of that is, is that covered so you know add into the mix COVID being like a stopper on mm. uh, access to services too which has made things difficult so um, you know, we don't really have an exact number but there's in around th- since it started end of November 2019 it's about, a- about 3,000 people have been registered maybe by the end of this podcast series they will have 10,000 who knows
0: <laughs> I, after listening to Peppermint over here now Peppermint we're calling this episode Preppermint because what a wasted opportunity otherwise <laughs> <laughs> you are navigating the single life now So do you mind me asking, are you on PrEP?
2: I am taking PrEP. I've been taking PrEP for several years, for a few, I don't even know how many. And I just think it's um, the best way to have an extra layer of protection. Uh, So this way, I know that I have everything at my disposal. Of course, condoms uh, to protect against the, the... Run of the mill STI, and then <laughs> prep for our more the you know for others, <laughs> and so yeah, I feel like I'm I've got all the tools at my disposal, and it is, um, I think one of the things that is really interesting is there was probably even a little bit of especially when when um, in the states when when prep the conversation about prep was just getting started and the accessibility of it. It was a big thing, you know, because of the cost behind the cost associated. I think that company folks and organizations and companies quickly realized that we needed to, you know um, deal with the cost of this this drug before we can actually expect people to get on it um, quickly. And uh, you know there was a there was there was a little bit of um, shaming um, that I witnessed, uh, in, in conversation around taking uh, taking prep, because there was, you know, how dare you have sex without a condom, or how you, how dare you even put yourself in a situation where you would? And it's like, well, I mean, if that was like, we wouldn't have any STIs if that was. Like what are you talking about? Like of course people are having sex without condoms. Condoms are life-saving. They are absolutely necessary. A, part, a necessary part of um uh the toolkit that people should have access to for sexual health. Uh but they don't work for everyone and they don't necessarily uh, there aren't people aren't gonna just do it, you know. Uh people don't always do what is in their best interest. Uh, <laughs> and so we should, we should, we should, we should, um, position it so that people, people can have access to what, what, whatever they're going to do, whatever they're just going to do, we, that's where we need to meet them, meet people where they are. And so if these are people that are not having, not using condoms and not having conversations, not using testing as a part of their, um, sexual health strategy, then we have to use PrEP as a part of it as well. And, uh, I know that there's there's a lot of people who um, are participating in the sex who are not ready to have the conversations about sexual health with their doctors. Again, these cis hetero identified men, because not only are they not having the sex, the, the partner, the conversations with their their sexual partners. I believe I also don't think that they're having these conversations with their doctors. I think there's a lot of straight guys that just like like to go in and be like, "Uh, uh am I all right? Okay, bye." And they just like. I don't think that they're saying, look, I have sex with this group or that group. Maybe they're not gay identified, but they are they they do fit into the MSM men who have sex with men category. Maybe they, you know, like there's there's a several things that could put them at at risk. And Mm -hmm. they're not having any of these conversations. I think that many of the people that I have um, talked to, if I'm because I like to have a little like psychology session. (laughs) (laughs) Cigarette in hand. I think a lot of these folks um, associate condoms, these men associate condoms only with pregnancy prevention. That's it. And so...
1: You're right when you said earlier, there are babies, really. And, you know, and how I feel about right now as the world is opening up again, you guys are a little ahead of us over there in New York, but now that um, we're coming out of lockdown, it would be really amazing to see as many people as possible who are going to get out there and have sex mm. either knowing their status, being on PrEP or being on effective HIV medication so that we can try to bring down the rates of infection, which are higher than ever here in Ireland. I don't know about Manhattan, but... um. I just want to say thank you, Peppermint, because you are just such a good friend and a great sister to me. But you also are just so kind to lend your massive platform to us so that we can promote PrEP here in Dublin and hopefully in other places around the world as well. Because really, stigma busting is what we're all about. And I think that when people take responsibility for their own sexual health, they become a lot less judgmental about what anybody else might be dealing with. So it's really kind of mm-hmm. you to do this for us. And we like to things on a positive note here every week. So we were hoping that maybe you could give us a positive thought that we could leave everybody with.
2: I think that uh, I'm I'm really encouraged by the uh, I mean, of course, I don't have any f- statistics or facts or figures on any of this.
1: Oh, we're not interested in facts. <laughs> just feelings. Just feelings.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm really encouraged by the uh, the openness that I've seen lately in the younger generation of people to talk about uh, not only sex and their sexuality, uh, but also gender in a way that's just so much more nuanced than what some of us um, old cows have, <laughs> were brought up with. Uh, and um, there's several of my, you know, the landscape on dating, uh, which connects to all of this, from my perspective, the landscape on dating was looking very rocky when I started to write this album, the album that recently came out, and now that it's out there for people to experience, I'm having conversations with folks, and they're tell they're telling me that they are, uh, you know, I- experiencing connections with people that are a lot less um shrouded in shame and so much more open, and then their partners are considering themselves a part of our community, even if they're cisgender and heterosexual, they are still considering see, understanding their connection to our community as something that is um, important and essential and unbreakable. And I do think that that's a, a part of that stigma busting that you talked about. And so I, I'm i so hopeful that even though it seems gloomy and no hope for, for men, on the contrary, there's a lot of people who, uh, a lot of uh, men who are starting to get it and leading by example. And I think the one thing that we know uh, living in a patriarchy is that men, especially this, the straight ones, care so desperately what other men think. Uh-huh. And so when we're seeing these men start to lead by example, then hopefully it'll um, provide uh, freedom for for all of the others. And I think that freedom is just the most it's it's liberating literally liberating so
1: well that's amazing and you know why that has happened there's two reasons there was the episode of drag race where you destroyed the patriarchy with a shotgun (laughs) (laughs) and there was of course your record a girl like me letters Mm -hmm. to my lovers Mm -hmm. which has really changed everything for trans people and for trans attracted people all over the world Mm -hmm. because you are a sensationally powerful witch and I love you from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for recording with does adam thank you, thank so, you much. so much thank you robbie killer duo peppermint i love you guys <laughs> 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 and that's it from us join us again
2: next week for some more pause vibe podcast hey if you like today's podcast please leave five stars and a positive review and please follow us on twitter and instagram on pause vibe pod